to Tatami Room episode 11 where I'll be talking about Japanese schools. I think at this point I've been going to work for long enough that I think I have a better picture of Japanese schools and kind of the way they the way they tick. So I'll be covering that kind of comparing and contrasting um, some of the U.S. schools or the U.S. schools that kind of I've had experience uh, you know being a student in and uh, the schools that I'm teaching at in Japan. The stoic quote for today's episode is waste no more time arguing what a good man should be be one and this one is by Marcus Aurelius. I hope you all like it. A little personal update so um, went on a little hiatus this past week um, yeah, a little mid-season break Part of that was just I've been doing 10 episodes and I wanted to just kind of take a break for a week, but I've also been um, cranking out some law school applications. I've been doing some 11, 12 hour work days and so I've been uh, been going hard, but um, honestly, even though I'm like, I'll come home and I'll work, you know, two to three more hours on just like not work-related stuff, but like law school exam applications, for example. Still, I've I've been I've been having some good fun. I miss judo because um, I haven't been able to go um, all that much this week, only once. But you know, so I gotta I gotta make some uh, some trade-offs here and there. Any case, let's cut to the daily life section where I'll be highlighting three kind of uh, differences that I see when comparing U.S. schools and Japanese schools. Alright, welcome back everyone. Let's get started with the first difference that I see between kind of US schools and Japanese schools. Actually, before that, I do want to mention that this is just kind of my experience from schools in the US that are primarily based in, you know, Seattle area in Washington State and schools that are based in Tanegashima in Japan. So, I wouldn't generalize this to schools all across the U.S. or all across Japan, um, but I do think it's a pretty good barometer, but um, it's not, I don't think it's generalizable in every instance, so just a word of caution. But first I wanted to talk about kind of lunches and meals and how it's different in Japan um, when look, comparing it to the U.S. So when I was a middle schooler or high schooler, um, I could just kind of pop open, you know, a bag of chips or like a snack and during class just as long as I wasn't making a racket, I could kind of go to town and uh, have a little snack for myself. But I don't think, at least from what I've seen so far, you are not really allowed to bring like outside food into the classroom and there's not really any snacking that is involved during class time. Um, I have not seen any student eat outside a time that is like the designated lunch time. Uh, I also want to note that there is no cafeteria. So um, in schools in the U.S., you know, you'd have a cafeteria or kind of like a lunch room where everyone would kind of gather and take their meals. In Japan, or at least the schools that I've taught in, um, and these are middle schools or a middle school and elementary schools, what happens is you eat your meal at your own desk in your own classroom. 
And what happens is there's no place for you to buy food. There's not like a little lunch um, cafeteria kind of location. Uh, there's nothing like that. The food comes already prepared from kind of like a, a central uh, cooking station or a kitchen, whatnot. Um, I'm not sure whether that's true for all schools in Japan, but at least the way it works in my schools is like the central kitchen sends out the meal for the day. Uh, it's the same for basically all the 11 schools I teach at. And then it gets delivered and then the students come and they bring it to class. They divide it up into, you know, you got your little tray. You're going to have uh, like three types of food and your little carton of milk most of the time. Um, it's going to be rice or bread, um, soup or some curry, and then either some vegetables or meat uh, on the side. And uh, you, whoever's on kitchen duty kind of uh, preps the meal and hands it out to everyone. Um, if it's a small class, then basically everyone's helping out and uh, setting it up. Um, and then, you know, you, uh, you, you start to eat once everyone's in their seats. Um, also, I do want to mention that before, um, before you start eating in Japan and after you finish, you kind of wait for everyone and then you say a phrase together. That phrase is itadakimasu when you begin to eat or right before you eat and gochisousama deshita um, when you finish eating. So I don't think there's really kind of an equivalent in the U.S., but I know in uh, Hungary we, uh, we hit each other with the before we eat so it's always kind of interesting when I tell my students that in the U.S. there's actually no like itadakimasu they're always really surprised by that I also want to note that there there's no picky eaters at least you can't really be a pick, picky eater you are expected to finish the food that is put on your plate so you're not going to have anyone kind of whinging and whining like no i don't like this like no whatever it is for the day you're going to eat it um or you're going to have to eat most of it otherwise your teacher is going to be kind of disappointed with you <clears throat> another kind of difference i wanted to highlight is just kind of class culture and student attitudes and again this is might be the section that's most kind of uh dependent on on the school you're at i suppose but in japan i haven't really had any like i haven't found any quote-unquote pick me people in uh, my classes so when i was a student middle school high school um in the u.s someone would always be raising their hand just dying to get called on and give the right answer or sometimes even the wrong answer but they would just always volunteer and in japan there's like you ask a question and it's a simple question that people they know the answer but there's kind of a, a stigma about being wrong and being wrong in front of other people and so they would rather keep quiet and not volunteer than kind of risk being wrong even if it's kind of like a 10% chance of being wrong You're like no I'm only gonna volunteer if I'm a hundred percent about the answer yeah so getting the wrong answer is not a good look and I think like as a teacher, um, you know, I want people to volunteer and kind of, even if it's the wrong answer, just kind of say what's on their mind. I think it's more like a class pressure or I don't know if it's the other, I don't think the other teachers are also like, I think they're also trying to do what I'm, I'm trying to do is, you know, solicit answers to, to the questions, but there's just this kind of social pressure and, and fear of being wrong. So no one, people, it's hard to, it's hard to get volunteers in classes. 
what this kind of leads to is that the students appear very shy because you know if you're a teacher and you're you know asking questions and no one's kind of no one's raising their hands it can be a little disappointing or disheartening and you know you're left thinking oh my gosh am i doing something wrong or the students not engaged uh, but no they are it's just you know they don't want to be wrong and so you might you might think and i i first thought like oh my gosh my entire class is really shy like they don't they don't want to talk to me or they're, they're too scared to talk to me but once the class time is over and you got you know just kind of free time as i'm packing up and heading out there's a little bit of a break the, the kids will come over in droves and they'll be asking you random questions funny questions um they will ask if you have uh, a partner that you're seeing at the moment that's their favorite question but even in the elementary schools like i i've gotten that question quite a bit but so even even if the students appear shy in class um they uh they certainly aren't when it's kind of outside of class time also again so for in the u.s you know class would just kind of start you know the bell rings teacher gets straight to talking in japan that's kind of contrasted uh with having like a class greeting and a class ending so when the bell rings um the student leader or someone you know basically tells everyone to like sit up straight and then you might even have a, a mokso which just kind of close your eyes a little meditation beforehand lasts for about 30 seconds i would say and then you, you stop and then you say Sometimes in English class, they, they, they chant, let's start English class. Um, or they just, or I think in Japanese, they'll just go, you know, uh, they'll list the period, like first period, um, and then the list like what class it is, like math class or science class. And they'll say like, oh, hajimemasho, which means like, let's begin. Um, so, means like, let's begin like first period science class. <clears throat> I also wanted to note that um, I found really interesting, at least with the kids that I've worked with so far, is that they're really active helpers. Like in the U.S., if you're to if there's kind of group work or if there's a game, right, then it's kind of a free for all, and everyone's trying their best to win the game, where everyone's just kind of you know doing their own thing. But what I've seen in Japan is. Like multiple instances where there there'll be a game like an English game that we're playing and you can win and someone kind of obviously knows the letters to the ABC better um, than the other person but instead of like okay uh, collecting all the letters you know when they could do that in you know quite easily they'll wait and kind of help out the other person that they're supposed to be competing against you know that's kind of you know in the u.s i mean maybe even i think i would have kind of snatched up all the pieces you know just to kind of flex on the other person that's kind of an indictment of my character but um but yeah in japan it's quite the opposite like I've, i'll frequently see students helping each other out which i think is really cool i also wanted to talk about kind of classroom components um and just things that are in the classroom certain kind of tools um comparing it to the u.s so the class layout is always going to be kind of rows and columns of individual desks or chairs so in the u.s sometimes it's kind of up to the teacher they might have like six people whose desks kind of 
smushed together or like islands of four or maybe even the rows and columns but it kind of is up to the teacher in japan it's always the rows and columns like it's that doesn't change you're going to be sitting in your neat rows and columns if there's group work you kind of turn your desk and push it together with the people that you need to do group work with um in terms of classroom equipment there's it's mostly chalk there's lots of chalk and uh, as i've discovered it's kind of it's pretty difficult to write on a chalkboard left-handed um so that's kind of a challenge that i've been trying to work through um it wouldn't really be that much of a problem if my handwriting didn't have to be neat um if i could just kind of use my uh my kind of not very good and not very neat handwriting but because i need to spell things out for the students and they need to see that it's not like a, it's not an f but it's a t i need to be kind of precise with my letters and uh, that has been a challenge at some schools the kids do have like little tablets um when i was in elementary school in the us we would also have um elementary middle and high school you would have kind of a, a little laptop um that you could get from the school um to you know, enhance educational purposes oftentimes i would just kind of use it to play games i remember playing cool math games on there pokemon flash games um but yeah so that's kind of um i think in japan is becoming more common but still not every school um has access to those kind of tablets yet um not every school that i work at at least this one uh this next kind of difference between kind of us schools and japanese schools is, is the school uniforms i think there's definitely like some schools in the us probably some like private schools or boarding schools that require uniforms but in japan everyone is required to wear their little school uniform um except teachers we don't have a school uniform which is great because i can i have a little bit more liberty with what i get to wear even though it's still i'm i'm expected to show up to work as as a professional so um yeah uh for this one is particularly um it's it's uniform related but it's particular about um the elementary school kids so everyone in elementary school is going to have a in the schools that I work at has a a red or white cap that you can kind of flip inside out flip it you know one way it's red flip it the other way it's uh it's white and i think that kind of plays uh like two roles um one being during recess you can quite easily you know decide teams with like okay this is red team or white team and then also you know deciding teams for um there's a school um a school race or school sports event and uh the entire school's kind of divided into either red team or white team and then the hats also help um in that case. I think I've also seen um first and second graders or it might just be first graders but they don't they don't get the the cooler kind of invertible hat, the red and white one. They wear this uh smaller yellow one. I think that just so drivers on the road can more easily identify oh that's a first grader really small child versus not a first grader. Um not entirely sure what the uh the reason rhyme or reason is behind it, but that's just something I've noticed. Um another thing that I want to mention is inside shoes. 
and outside shoes. So in the U.S., you just kind of uh, trample on into the school. Whatever shoes uh, you know you wear outside doesn't really matter. In Japan, you must have like slippers or specific kind of indoor shoes. You're not allowed to wear your outdoor shoes within the school. So that's that's not really allowed. Um, I think you know it makes sense. You'd get bring a bunch of dirt into the school, um, but that's kind of a big difference that. I've noticed is, you know, I, luckily I was aware of it on my first days, so I didn't show up and be like, hey, wait, so what do I, wait, this is weird, um, but I was already aware of it, and most schools do have, like, little slippers for guests that are available to use, so usually I'll just use one of those ones because I'm going around to 11 different schools and don't feel like carrying around my slippers every day, so, you know, I get to school, put on one of the guest slippers, they're comfortable enough that I don't entirely mind them um and yeah I just walk around within the school always walk around in the slippers no uh no outside shoes indoors you know you know contrast that with America where all the schools that I went to in America you could just kind of walk straight in whatever shoes you wore outside so all right so that's kind of uh what I had for comparing and contrasting Japanese and American schools. I think um, I might do another segment on this in the future. There's some things I didn't get to, like sojijikan, which is cleaning time. Um, but for now, uh, I hope this will do. And uh, with that being said, let's cut to the current event section. All right, welcome back, everyone. Let's get started with the current event section, which I just realized that I forgot to mention that there was going to be one or what it's about at the beginning of the episode. But wait no further. I have a really interesting section coming up for you all. Um, and uh, it's about cheating and cheating culture in Japan. So let's get started. So the inspiration for this section uh, came after I watched this video um, on YouTube uh, by this guy named uh, Takashi from Japan. He goes around and interviews people on the street, asking them about Japanese culture and whatnot. His videos are really cool. Go ahead and check him out. Uh, I think you can get kind of a, a unique perspective on uh, Japanese life and way of thinking if you watch his videos. So I was casually browsing YouTube, stumbled upon this video where he was asking people what they thought about cheating, what was considered cheating in Japan, and uh, what wasn't. And I found the really I found the video really interesting, and I don't think it was just me because um, I think these videos sparked quite a big online uh, debate, multiple Reddit threads and whatnot, so I decided to kind of try my best to break down the issue for you all as well. So I want to start by saying that um, leave your Western perspective at the door for this one. Cheating in Japan is viewed quite differently than it is viewed, let's say, in America. So I just want to start by, you know, preface with that. Um, and I think part of that is due to the fact that um, the view of, like, dating with the intent to marry and marriage in Japan in general has this very functional view, a very functional perspective. It's kind of like, oh, hey, let's get married, do our duty to society, and uh, have some kids. And uh, so it's it's more of more of like, okay, we're going to have kids and this is just kind of what, you know, people do is get married rather than having like um, companionship and an intimate emotional connection. And I'm not saying that that isn't uh, 
like having an emotional connection is not present in marriages in Japan. I'm just saying that I think, and at least based off of the research that I found, there's definitely instances of, you know, marriages where it's just really this very, very functional view that's uh, that's in play. Um, and another thing that I found is there's this way of thinking. I'm not sure how prevalent it is, but people uh, seem to think that it's unreasonable to expect one partner to be able to fulfill all your needs. Um, and instead, let's say if your partner isn't meeting one of your needs um, in its entirety, then it shouldn't be unreasonable for you to go seek out someone else to fulfill that need. So, yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. And I think part of it, part of this whole thing is also fueled by the fact that apparently you know, marriage and having kids in Japan is viewed as this, you know, way of becoming a true adult in Japanese society. Um, so I think that kind of motivates people to, oh, well, I need to become an adult. This is just something I, I need to, to, you know, check off the to-do list or something. And uh, when, when you're approaching marriage and dating from that kind of perspective, then, um, you know, it's, it's less about having an intimate connection with the other person and more just like, Let's get the job done. And again, I'm not entirely sure on like what percent um, of marriages have this or how prevalent this is. I just think that based off of kind of what I've researched and also what I've heard uh, living here in Nishinomote in Japan, I think that this is certainly true for at least some marriages. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Japanese people's views on uh, brothels and uh, kind of cheating in brothels. So prostitution is illegal in Japan, but it's kind of, it still occurs, basically. Um, and I think to understand why it's important to know that polyamory has been a concept in Japan much longer than it has been in the West. So in America, you know, you've had <laughs> quite a, a big Christian influence where you have like, okay, you have one wife and that should be your wife uh, forever. Um, and recently, uh, I think people have been starting to think like, oh, polyamory, there's not, not too much wrong with it. But I think um, based off what I've found is that in Japan, this concept of polyamory has been around for a lot longer. And uh, so this kind of leads to... Um, Another interesting fact that I found, which is that Japan is apparently the seventh country where cheating is, quote, morally acceptable. So cheating isn't like a, well, at least not in all instances, um, a moral indictment of the individual who cheats. Like if there are some instances in Japan where if you do end up cheating on your significant other, partner, spouse, or whatever, um, you are not like, oh, the scum, or you're not a morally bad person. Obviously, there's some caveats to this. Uh, it's not just a blank slate. Um, and for some, it depends on like why you cheated and with who. Um, so going back to you know the video that I watched from Takashi, um, people generally seem to think that if you go to a brothel and something happens over there, um, it's more okay because you are paying and there's not an emotional connection involved. And so as someone from America, I'd say, well, that's still cheating. But I think um, here in Japan, it's more like, 
well, there's money involved, so there's no feelings attached, so it's more acceptable. And I haven't just seen that from, you know, Takashi's video. I've also kind of uh, anecdotally heard some stories of this um, with people that I've talked to here in Ishinomote. When I said good reason, a couple people that were interviewed by, like, Takashi also said that, like, if, for example, you go out with your boss to celebrate like a business meeting or big bonus signing, that is also acceptable. I think in Japan, um, if uh, it's typical or it's more uh, usual for once like a big business deal is closed to go out with your boss and some people who made the deal happen and instead you go out drinking and you end up at a brothel. And uh, I think there's that kind of pressure where, well, if your boss is doing it, you don't want to be the one guy that's like, oh, I'm too good for this kind of thing, and so you go ahead and do it anyway. As someone from the U.S., I would say, well, you got to stick up for yourself, stand up for yourself in that situation, but um, I can see how, you know, people here might view that as, oh, well, you know, it was kind of, uh, he was kind of coerced, or he was going with his boss, so he kind of had to do it. I also heard that being transparent um and doing <laughs> doing it quote elegantly meant that it was acceptable so as long as you did it respectfully which i'm not entirely sure how one does cheat respectfully um and one is more open and honest about it which i think i can't fathom telling my significant other like hey i'm just gonna hop down to you know where real quick and be back but i think at least the people that Takashi interviewed, they generally seem to think that if you were more transparent, then uh, cheating was more acceptable. So anyway, so that's kind of uh, a, a little crash course on uh, cheating in Japan um, and the culture surrounding it. I hope I did uh, a decent job of it. Kind of a, a, a very interesting issue. I hope you all uh, learned something about it. And uh, let's cut to the closing section. Let's wrap up today's episode with the word and the stats of the week. So the word this week is uwaki, which is a Japanese word for cheating. I thought it was very in line with the current events section for today's episode. And it's interesting because the kanji uh, that make up this word uwaki is uh, the kanji for to float and rise to the surface. Um... That's one kanji, and the second kanji is feeling, um, like a, a feeling that you have. So it's like, uh, I guess the whole the whole meaning would be like a floating feeling, which is interesting because that's generally kind of a positive feeling, I think, rather than a negative one. Um, and I thought that's interesting because I think it kind of speaks to the fact that in Japan, cheating isn't as morally negatively charged as it is um, in some other places. Um, and the stat of the week, well, stats of the week are 84 and 61%. Um, and these are the percent of women and men, uh, respectively, that find that extramarital affairs uh, help out their marriage. So that's really interesting is that quite a few uh, women and uh, a lot of men as well find that actually uh, going out and uh, having some affairs and cheating or doing uwaki 
is actually helpful um, in their marriage as opposed to something that kind of breaks the marriage down, which I think in the U.S. it would be <laughs> quite the opposite. But um, yeah, this uh, again speaks to the fact that uh, cheating here is viewed with a very different lens. But yeah, that's your uh, word of the week, Uwaki, and your stats, 84 and 61%. Um, I, I hope you all found those interesting, as I certainly did. Uh, I do want to finish off the episode by saying that I'm back. Uh, I will be back creating episodes um, weekly. I think I'll, I'll try to do another 10-episode uh, episode stretch, and then I think that'll be the end of Season 1. I think I'm trying to do about, like, 20 episodes per season. I think that's decent because it should line up with around New Year's, I believe. So kind of a fitting uh, end to the season, I think. Um, And uh, I want to thank everyone who tuned in. Uh, I hope uh, you all enjoyed today's episode. I will be back next week. Per aspera ad astra, everyone. Peace and love.